0: Let's go. let's go. Come on everybody and
1: let's get to bumping cuz it's a time. Baby, rip the time. it's the
0: All right everybody, welcome to the 106th edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City and I got my man
1: Sage chilling in snowy Southern Oregon. And you know what? I was driving and it started stung like a like a motherfucker, and I was just so upset on my drive back home, man. Yeah, we we start cursing pretty pretty quick.
2: You know, it's an LOB after dark for me, so you know I, I'm just happy to to have to have some people to talk to tonight, uh, and and also excited to be on your guys' podcast as well. Uh, some of the best, you guys got the best uh, art of any blazers podcast shout out to the
1: man evan m for hooking us up with some dope content and if you haven't heard if you don't know who that voice is we got the man the myth the legend eric gunderson from the locked on blazers podcast how you doing bud
2: dude pretty good man i'm excited I'm excited that I get to post this on the Lockdown Blazers feed. Excited to have you guys as guests on my podcast, even though I'm really just a guest on your podcast, and I don't want to make another podcast. Uh, super but, friends, super, yeah, friends, super Dad. friends. This is this is the Blazers. Yeah, this is the Blazers pod listener collectors item that, like, in like ten years, when you know we're like you know starting to gray a little bit, it's like you know we can. Uh oh, you, oh, yeah, are you you're you already,
1: already Greg, you old fart? I'm just I've saying been
0: Gray probably for the past like five or six years. I got the silver fox. It's start it's coming in. Salt uh, and pepper all day.
2: All I'm just saying is that the like the, the Blazers podcast hype beasts in the future are gonna be like, yo, do you remember that episode of Lockdown Blazers and Holy Backboard? Like those it, be it'll live on forever.
0: It, yeah, is yeah. this like the Champion Supreme collab?
2: Yes, this is exactly like the Champion Supreme collab. Yes. Oh, well, can I ask? Are you wearing a Houston Rockets World
0: Championships T-shirt?
2: Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I I had this. So Carl Herrera, the first Venezuelan NBA player to ever uh grace the the NBA court, and he was on Houston Rockets. So my family, because of that, became like bandwagon Houston Rockets fans. And I think my uncle, my tío José, bought this shirt, and then he just kind of it was just laying around, and I was just like, "Why is this shirt just laying around? Like, this is a great shirt. Why, why, why is no one wearing this shirt?"
1: People of color are taking over this podcast, Dustin. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I also just got Bassy
0: on my lap, so I think it's going to be a pretty fire episode. And this may hurt some Blazer fans' uh, feelings. I really really love the 95 Rockets, mostly because Drexler joined them mid-season, and at the time I was like 9 or 10 years old, and I kind of fucked with Clyde more than anything at the time, because he was like my childhood idol. But that team, the sixth seed, the the Mario Lally kiss of death, Hakeem just absolutely shattering all of David Robinson's dreams in Game 1 of that Western Conference Finals, the Nick Anderson missed free throws, I mean, that... That title run might be the most underrated, I think, in the past twenty five thirty years. I think they get yeah. slept
2: on. They were also the sixth seed. Isn't that the lowest seed to ever yeah. win a championship? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the lowest seed to ever. Win. Like like that that would never happen like in this day and age. Like, I mean, it'd be cool if the Blazers got the sixth seed, and won the championship, sure. But like, I don't see you know the the Bucks winning the title or something like that, you know, like it would just, yeah, no, it was a really underrated and it was a repeat too for, for Hakeem. So that kind of like made him like a, a legend and he beat Shaq. Like there's a lot of uh, great stories on that team. So yeah, no, I, yeah, those, those rockets teams were cool, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I've had the shirt for a while and I wear it sometimes uh, cause I, I just like the shirt and I, those were great teams. Yep,
0: exactly. That actually, you mentioned Hakeem repeating and uh, beating not only Shaq but David Robinson and Charles Barkley. I was that was one of my. That's probably four or five years into the league watching watching the game. His performance that year solidified Hakeem to me as the greatest center of all time. Like if I'm starting a team with his footwork, his defense, his passing, his agility, I'm starting with Hakeem Olajuwon because I think he is one of the few um previous legends that would still kill it in today's nba like i think I, he's
2: transcendent i bet he would knowing what all the teams know now about shooting threes and stuff like that i bet he would have been a fine three-point shooter if like teams had emphasized that because he could literally do anything on the court that was what he was so amazing about and Embiid, i think is like he's the ev- the evolution if he can stay healthy He's the closest I think we've seen, but even
0: Embiid isn't as fluid as no. as Olajuwon was. But moving on to the Trailblazers and someone who is not as fluid as Akeem, uh Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, he, let's talk about him a little bit because Portland drops <laughs> Portland drops uh, a crucial game to the Utah Jazz, one fifteen to ninety six. Nurk was basically MIA in 14 minutes of action. Yeah, he had the uh, sore low back. But even when he was in there, he it was like we were playing four on five. Zero points, three boards, two assists. Completely got outplayed by Rudy Gobert. And Portland, the trade deadline is passed. They are stuck with him. They either have to match or go out and uh, or let him go. And I think if you're the Trailblazers and their fans, that to me is the scariest proposition of this entire offseason.
2: Yeah, I mean it it I guess it only takes one team to to put them in a bad spot. So I guess that's where you could you know be scared, but I I it is a little bit different now that I don't think teams might have space and I might sign him to an offer, but it's not going to be I don't think like crab where no. they're going to be giving him an insane amount of money year over year. Like I I I was listening to uh an ESPN podcast and Brian Windhorst was talking about the Blazers situation. And he was saying you have a situation with the Blazers where Yusuf Nurkic could easily be making less money than his backup. The market is like so crunched that like I mean, I don't I guess it's not the worst risk, you know, like like it's not I mean it is scary, but at the I don't think it's actually gonna be that scary. Like I, I think it's going to be kind of, oh wow, the Blazers got Nurkic for you know, nine million a year or something. Like I just I I don't I don't and I don't he hasn't performed well enough either to like get a max from anybody, like, or or even close to it. Like I just don't I don't know that that that's my like I am scared about it and it sucks that they couldn't trade him and get something else for him. But if like if you look at it from the standpoint that he plays good defense, he probably isn't going to command that much money. And he's still really young, even though he's inconsistent. Like, you could do a lot worse. And, and, and like, I, I don't know if necessarily, like, DeAndre would have been, like, a better situation to improve the team. Because I don't see DeAndre getting much better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I am a little bit more reassured knowing that the market will be crunched. Hopefully, the Lou Williams contract is is evidence uh, of that coming forth in July. My concern is more we're relying on this guy to be our third best player, and I I have just been yeah. so disappointed in his overall performance this year. He's slimmed down. He's he's been relatively healthy, but. Sage, me and you were texting during the game, I was at the game, you were watching it from home, and you could tell from the jump, he uh, he had no desire to play tonight.
1: Nah, none at all, man. He basically quit on the squad. I mean, he picked up fouls real quick, wasn't effective. Do you think Do you think it was the Rudy Gobert factor got in his head a little bit? Because I would assume that Rudy would be the type of guy that would get Nurk hyped for this game, like, he's a Euro guy, his, he... The narrative on him is crazy. Like he's this—he's a great defender, but he didn't really show up, and that was kind of confusing to me because I would have assumed this is this is a nerd game for him to, you know, show the show the haters that he actually is a good basketball player.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't. I, I can't put the entire entirety of the loss on Nurkic. I think really everyone outside of probably Damian Lillard and Ed Davis are are at fault. Like no one showed up to play. Aminu scores eight of our first 13 points, doesn't score the rest of the night. Uh starts for, I think, the fourth straight game. Really underwhelming. Same. I mean, Evan Turner does nothing off the bench. CJ at 22, a lot of it in garbage time. Uh, it just seemed like the team, they go up 11, and Utah, Joe Ingles kind of catches fire, and we just don't adjust. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves with Terry Stotts is... If you run something enough, he's just going to keep letting you do it. It's like we've never seen how to defend a pick and roll. I would have preferred that we um, executed the strategy the Clippers tried to do against us in the playoffs a couple of years ago, where they doubled the ball handler high out on the perimeter, making basically blowing up the play. We kind of let their ball handler, Donovan Mitchell, in most of, of the scenarios, really dictate the pace and the tempo. and. We were so afraid of that lob to go bear that by the time the – whether it was Nurkic or Ed Davis realized the ball wasn't going up, uh, Don Mitchell put two in the paint. Like we got killed in the paint. We got killed on the glass. Um, I was telling Olga while we were watching the game, like we're getting murdered on the hustle board. Uh, you should never lose the hustle board, rebounds, you know, steals, and blocks
2: on your home yeah. court, especially when you're looking for your 10th straight victory at home. Yeah, you can't – no. Lo- yeah, you can't lose on the hustle board, especially when you're at home. and they started to do that strategy when there was like six minutes left in the game. Like they just start, like they started doubling Mitchell and getting the ball out of his hands and making somebody else beat them. And it kind of worked like they kind of got close, but then it was just like, they were, it was like a little too late to do that. And, you know, Ingalls did have a big night. Uh, and I, you know, the jazz have been, you know, it's not great. They've been, I mean, they've beaten Toronto, golden state, on this, and and those are two teams. Like those might be the two best teams in the league. Those guys are extremely good, and so Utah is kind of hot right now. And it, it was nice for them to have Gobert, but Nurkic is is really, yeah, he's been inconsistent. He hasn't been the third best player, and I think maybe it's it's time, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't think of him like that anymore. Yeah, you you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like he, I think he just need you need to think about him as like he could be a really nice role player. Like he can set good screens. He can get Dame open on the pick and roll. He's a pretty good passer, but he's not the best scorer, and he's super inconsistent. He kind of he's like a worse to me. He reminds me of like a like a less ferocious version of like Whiteside, because like he has like that like moodiness and like game to game where you wonder how much he cares about it on a game on a nightly basis and i don't it's a good thing that he's a free agent now than if he was a free agent 2 years ago or last year you know it, it is a little bit better for the blazers in that respect and if you get him at you know i think he, you have to start yeah i think the thing that i think i've started to do and i think more not necessarily putting it on him because it's not going to happen this year, but I think maybe the guy on the roster that we have to hope, I think that can be that like third best player, like star level, star level guy is Collins. Like, I think, I think that's kind of the biggest hope on the roster. Cause like, I'm pretty sure everybody else on here kind of is who they are. Like Harkless, Har- Harkless is Harkless, man. Like you saw it tonight. He had a couple great games and then he just, I think he's like Jeff Green like and that's fine. Like th- there's a place in the league for guys like Jeff Green. You he's you, we can't expect Harkless to be the third best player
1: on this team. Well, I, th- I, I think it's just a bummer that like the narrative that Blazers said, I mean that we hyped up the hype night is that like all fans did with like Nurk's going to be that third consistent guy and to go from, you know, we can we could we could challenge whoever with a healthy and motiva- uh, healthy Nurk to, yeah, he's a pretty nice role player, is a humongous bummer. I mean, I think,
2: Mo- yeah, it's it's true, but I mean, he's not, like, he's not Porzingis, he's not Towns, like, he's not one of these guys that, like, is gonna, like, he can carry you offensively. Like, he just can't do that. He's a great defensive player. Like, Portland would not be where they are without Nurkic. Like, his defense has been phenomenal this year. Like, that is the one area he's been consistent in. But if, if, if you're talking about, like, when we're talking about stars, like, you have to be, like, go level defensively to really be, like, a star mm-hmm. on defense. And Nurkic is great, but he's not quite that level. But he's, and his offense is just not there. Like, it's just not, he's just not good enough. Like, his post-ups are just, like, there's just a waste of time.
1: Yeah. No <laughs> I mean, like the footwork—he gets open shots and then just flings it. So it, it's it, it's weird watching him. Man, he is—he is a very interesting player to like watch because some nights he'll just be the most dominant player on the floor, and then other nights where he'll just foul, get two fouls, and be on the bench for a half.
0: So if we're hoping Zach Collins is that third player, potential star in the league in due time tonight's game was uh, a punch in the gut because you're watching donovan mitchell a player portland could have drafted a player (laughs) yeah yeah.
1: well wanted
0: portland to draft absolutely (laughs) obliterate our defense all over the court on um on the defensive side of the ball for utah 27 points uh six boards just an absolute menace controlling the game Uh, a true combo guard in the sense that he can play some point guard. He has the handles and he's got a a mean, mean handle. And you look at Zach Collins on the other end. Yes. He's not as ready to play as Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, anybody would have said that coming out of the draft, but the two are almost at opposite ends of the spectrum. Zach Collins had one attempt where he just went up so weak. I almost lost it. It's one thing if you're going to miss a shot, but I need to see the kid try and dunk it. He just kind of looks scared sometimes. And other times he looks fearless. And I guess that's to be expected from uh, he just turned 20, I think. But it's its a hard sell for me to, to say that Zach Collins is going to be that that third guy. I think he's going to be nice. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star. And it, it's its tough because there was a guy right there that that Portland could have had. And opens up the, the scenarios to, oh, OK, we can maybe look at moving CJ to balance out the roster because you have a Donovan Mitchell. And it just kind of seems like I don't know if this collection of, of talent on the Blazers is, is really ever going to work. Yeah, well, I'm I,
2: yeah, I, I definitely get the questions and, and I totally get Mitchell. Uh, I was totally about potentially drafting him. Before the draft, uh, I still talk about it with one of my buddies, Chad, who came on the podcast with me. We talked about how much we would like Donovan Mitchell because he's a really – he has that long wingspan on defense. And we were more – I was more into him for his defensive potential. I did not think that he was going to be like this good of an offensive player. but I was more into him for the fact that he could play really good defense, was long arms. He's pretty strong. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely sucked to see Donovan Mitchell. I mean, but that's, this is Donovan Mitchell all season. I mean, he, he should be the rookie of the year.
1: Yeah. He's killing it.
2: Absolutely. Especially if, if Utah sneaks into the playoffs, I mean, I think he's got to like to do that in the West. I mean, I know the West isn't quite as like amazing as compared to the East anymore. The conferences kind of balanced out, but, uh, yeah, no, he's really good. I mean, Collins. The thing about Collins that I do really like is that he's kind of the archetypal fit for the center that you want with Dame and CJ. Like, he is a really good dirty work guy. He's a pretty low usage guy. Like, he doesn't take a ton of shots. He can space the floor. He's a good playmaker. He can do, like, little bits of everything. And he has really good defensive instincts like it it's rare for a guy that young to like already know like where to be he leads plays before they kind of happen. A lot of people wanted the blazers to take Jordan Bell but colin but Collins. Collins is he's taller than Bell he has may not be the leaper that Bell is in terms of like and it had like the timing to block shots. But he knows where to be. He can read offenses already pretty well and like get to the right spot. And he has the potential to be a much better offensive player. You know, like like he can shoot threes already. He's pretty confident with his shot. And if he can do anything inside the paint, you know, that's, that's that would be great. And he can already kind of dribble a little bit. It's not like with Myers where Myers could shoot threes, but then once teams – Asked him to put the ball on the ground, it was, you know, he would have to pick his dribble up and had to, you know, turn around and find some help. Like Collins, Collins looks comfortable doing other stuff already at 20. And and I think the fact that he's getting minutes at this age is really encouraging. And I think if they, you know, I think if they reach a point where they say, they look at Nurkic and they say, that number's too high, I think Zach Collins is the, the reason why. Do you think he can play five long-term? or is he better suited playing the, the four? I think he... In, in today's game, I think he can play the five. He's got to put on some muscle. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, he's young, man. I mean, like, you know, and I think kind of like... I mean, Porzingis is a guy I was thinking about. Obviously, he's not, like, that level of player. But, like, Porzingis had, another, had Robin Lopez... You know, for his first year in the league, had another center there when he wasn't ready, but now he's a center. Like, yeah, I mean Anthony
1: Davis had Robin Lopez to start. He has Boogie Cousins now. He's playing yeah, the but, center.
2: Yeah. yeah, but 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 the thing is, Davis doesn't like playing. Center. Oh hell,
1: no, he does not like playing center. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, how many bigs in this day and age of the NBA would bully Zach in the post? I don't
2: know how many there are
1: yeah i mean a f- couple and with like, those how, we-
2: how, yeah yeah who are those guys though like cousins yeah gasol? i mean gasol steps out to three now like i mean like all these guys now it's not like anyone's really like banging down like lamarcus might be the only one that's really like a true back to the basket player
1: and if we face one of those beastly centers if we re-sign Nurkic, Nurkic can handle that and Zach can slide to the floor. It, it's not the I, I mean, if we had a coach that would send the double on the post up because it's a slower uh, possession, that'd be cool. But I, I don't i don't really fear Zach getting beasted by like 10 dudes. It's more like a very specific amount of players because that, that post up game really isn't as poppin' as it once was in the NBA.
0: So we have very inconsistent small forwards in Evan Turner and Mo Harkless and a plethora of bigs who can be productive or have potential. Why hasn't Terry moved Aminu over to the three and either started Collins or I mean before they move on, Von Lay was an option as well. Um, Ed's been getting amazing minutes as a backup. I'd love to see him stay there, but it just seems like we're not getting that production at the three and we have more of this. You know, we're talking Collins and he's only twenty. The only way to get better, I think, is to play.
2: Yeah, no, I, I I think that that's a great call. I mean, I did like what the team was doing when Evan Turner started. Like he, they they played really well when he was starting. Um, and I don't, you know, Harkless has had some nice games, and I think Turner's been hurt. He's like on a minutes restriction, I think, right now. And I think also too, maybe some of what we saw tonight is. You know, the Blazers have, they were playing pretty well recently, but I think it's happening in a lot of places, especially, you know, the Blazers didn't make any trades. Like they didn't get any new blood in the team. Like they, 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 I think they're just really tired. Like I think the whole league for the past three weeks has been like, I mean, you saw, I think I felt, I felt this way when all the teams started getting in all these fights with each other. Like there was a fight like every night in the NBA. Like I think, I, I think guys are worn out. Right now, because the season started two weeks earlier and they're they're like the All-Star break is way longer and that's great. But I think part of maybe what we're seeing here, too, is is just like a little bit of that mental fatigue. I think I think guys just really need to get away because because the start of the season has been pretty hard. I mean, they, they stretched it out, but there's still all that time.
0: Yeah, like they did stretch it out, but I, there is more time in in between games. Portland won't won't play until Valentine's Day Wednesday, so they have two full days. Um most of the road trips, I mean, I think there's only been a couple of back-to-backs. Uh yes, this was the third game in four nights for Portland, but again, they're in a stretch where if they're serious about making a decent playoff seed, they need to start performing because they're not like the Warriors where they can sit guys and still win or really not give a fuck about their seeding because they know they're going to win home or away. For Portland, you get blown out in Detroit. You nearly blow a 17-point lead against the hapless Hornets with like six minutes to go. In fact, you need overtime to get that one done. Dame has to go 50 points for you guys to, you know, to really feel comfortable in, in Sacramento. And now the Jazz, without Ricky Rubio, without Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson via trade, just come in and absolutely handle you at home and at the time they were under 500 so i just don't know what to make of this team other than they're inconsistently
1: consistent isn't that what we've been thinking for like the year though ain't shit changed
0: but they do this where they win what, three or four games in a row, and then they go on that road trip and they get handled by Toronto and Detroit. They blow a 16-point lead against the the Kyrie-less Celtics. You, I mean, these are the games you you got to win. And, you know, the West is just like a sardine can right now. You've got the Timberwolves, who have 24 losses at four, but then the Thunder, Blazers, Nuggets, and Pelicans, and Clippers are now separated by two and a half games fifth through ninth and the jazz are they've won nine in a row they have 28 losses so they're two back in the loss column so five through ten four through ten really is is up for grabs and when it's this close and and you're playing a divisional team i i just didn't like the energy that portland came out with um i do agree with eric i do think guys are getting tired but i mean that's just You've only got eight quarters left until you've got this nine nine day nine day break, and you know unfortunately mm-hmm. for Portland, you've got the Golden State Warriors, you know, staring down that barrel at you as your last obstacle before your vacation, and this yeah. could either go really well for Portland or just absolutely abysmal.
1: Would you have rested yeah. Dame and CJ uh, during that blowout? Absolutely.
0: Terry Stotts, he is so stubborn. A reason that I'm not on the, the hype train for, for Terry, the, the, we were down 25 points.
1: To like, the let's Jazz. Be, let's
0: be, like, let's be real. It's not happening. Dame, like I said, we're in the midst of a three games and four nights. Dame just put up 50 against Sacramento, and now he, he was carrying the team. He did not get a breather in that second half until he went uh, to the bench with like a uh, minute to go in the game. I think that is a really reckless way of coaching, especially when you're coaching a 500 team, like your superstar, your franchise player is nearing his prime. Let's not waste precious minutes when we're down 25 points to the jazz in fucking February. Like know when to call it off.
2: Yeah, I I was totally, you know, the thing is, I'm saying that, but I definitely was like during the Kings game, I was like, put him back in the game, like get him to score 70 points. Like, I, 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 like, I, I want, I, like, I was, I was so, like, knowing that I just did that, I'm not going to get mad at him for, uh, trying to salvage a game that seemed pretty unsalvageable, but, uh, you know, I was mad at him for not, you know, doing the overkill and having Dame go back in to try and at least get to 60 on Friday, so, um, you know, I,
0: I like that he had 50 in 29 minutes. Like he, CJ, and Clay are now the three guys who can really hold that crown. So I was I was kind of holding that as a badge of honor as a fan. I, I didn't want uh-huh. him to go back in just because I was just to be able to say you dropped 50 points in under 30 minutes of action is is pretty ridiculous. Now obviously if the game was closer, absolutely go in, let him take control. But Dame, what he's 87 points over his past two, seven quarters, really, because he sat out the fourth quarter.
2: Um, yeah, 89. I think he had 39 tonight.
0: 39. So, 89 points. I really feel like we don't deserve Dame. Like the Blazers right now, we need, Neil Moshe needed to get him some help. And I know he came across really polished in all of his interviews post trade deadline. But, you know, I've heard that spiel one too many times. Uh I don't care that we stayed out of the tax. I don't care that we saved Paul Allen money. He is rich beyond his wildest dreams and to see the team not make a move to upgrade, if you're Dame, you're almost just like WTF.
2: Yeah, it's like what 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 are we doing? Uh I mean you know you know I think that puts the pressure on for this summer. I mean, I don't know what it is they can do if there's a draft day move out there uh but i definitely do think that this turns the you know a little bit more pressure on i think it just you know it kind of sucks though like i mean i think the reality of it is is that nobody wants the the contracts that the blazers have like if they, i think if they could have got a trade even to get off of that without having to give up like a first round pick i think they would have Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and I, I, I—it's not no, and I just think, I just think it sucks. Like, it kind of like sucks to continue to come back to that point, but like it just, it just sucks. And I, like, I'm not like saying that like Neil Olshey should be given a break because he's the one who created, who gave those guys those contracts, but they're it's, also just, they're also just—I mean—they screwed themselves. They did, and then you
0: look at the Cavs who kind of turned water into wine with a lot of their moves and.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, Ronnie Rodney Hood got got just for for Jay Crowd.
0: Rodney Hood, Jordan J. Clarkson, Larry Nance. Obviously, we don't have an underperforming player who was a, a former MVP candidate in Isaiah Thomas, and we don't have a Brooklyn pick, which made it easy to trade our own our own pick. So they did have assets at at the ready, but they still were willing to take on salary. And I just I think Portland yeah. is kind of. So what I'm of looking for delusional if they think that they're going to be able to play the traditional NBA game in terms of general manager where you let these contracts expire, you know, you you you're you're almost playing money ball, you're being really savvy with the cap. That that doesn't work. We were the closest 18 years ago when we just went all in. We were saying we're gonna pay the, the highest salary, we're gonna take guys on, and it's not the smartest way to do it, but if you're a small market team who has shown that they cannot sign free agents, to me it just makes the most sense. If, if a guy like, obviously, I'm not saying we needed a George Hill, but Rodney Hood, George Hill, you know, Jordan Clarkson are available, I feel like we 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 could have made some of those moves. Yes, it would have cost us in luxury tax. I absolutely know that, but. I just don't know what mid-level free agent, if Portland is able to even get a mid-level free agent or any, use any of their um, TPEs, it is really going to help. I think you know maybe you could have acquired a draft pick by taking on salary. I just think that that's Portland's only way out. If you're really committed to winning in the short term with Dame and CJ as, as your you know your Batman and Robin, you kind of have to think outside the box. And
1: can I can I just say, I was expecting you to come. Talk about the, the 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 trade deadline with like the heat of twelve killer Mike versus Just because they traded your boy, they traded Noah Vonley, your beloved power forward.
0: You know what? Both my mom and Olga, when they found out, were almost just like "fuck that guy." Not Noah, but Neil. Like, why? Why would <laughs> you? Like, you get him for a guy whose rights Neil said was no, never going to come over. And um, they
1: gave him money too.
0: Obviously, I know he had no value around the league. I'm not delusional in that, right? But we were eight and three when he played over 20 minutes. He flourished alongside Nurk and vice versa. And it was a we were able to move Aminu over to I think his more natural position of the small forward, where he could still stretch the floor. He also is able to match up against the guys who give us fits like Anthony Davis and Blake Griffin. Um, it's kind of baffling to me that if you knew all along you were going to trade him, why bury him along? Uh, at the end of the bench. So I, I know a lot of it had to do with Ed Davis playing well, but it just seems like there's too many, you know, what ifs for Neil. I, I've been, you know, uh, a fan of Olshea for a while, defended him pretty much feels like every other week on this podcast. But after that deadline with not getting anything done, um, he's got to get to Stephen at the end of the season.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I. I would like to see him do another draft because, I mean, Collins ends up – I mean, I think he ended up being a pretty good pick. I, he wasn't Mitchell, but I think he ended up being a good pick. And I think they made a call – it sucked. But, like, I think they made a call that if, if you know, Collins – you know, they have Collins and Swanigan. Like, I think those two guys ultimately were a hedge against both Nurkic and Vonley not working out. And if they were scared to pay Vonley money or whatever, and I think the problem that with Ed Davis is that Dame, like, basically said, like, you cannot trade him. Yeah,
0: and I, yeah. I agree. Olshay like, like da, one...
2: da, Yeah, I mean, da, that, that's, that's Dame too. So it's like he's trying to keep Dame happy. And then he also, like, had to lose, like, the return on the platoon trade. So he basically just took the L on that.
0: And Olshay, he does do a good job of drafting. And I wanted other players at 10, but you know, Collins did have some potential defensively, and you know he's super young. My problem with that trap was Caleb Swanigan, and I'm not going to say take Kuzma because I did not want Kuzma. I did not uh, see this yeah. coming from him. Yeah, so no, C- C- out C- the door. C-
2: nobody, nobody knew about Kuzma.
0: But yeah. you spoke of Jordan Bell. I think he has more of a ability to play in today's NBA. Swanigan, I don't think defensively he's going to be able to play. And then you you take two, you know, power forwards because I think Zach may be a long term center, but
2: I think right now he's a power forward. and Swanigan is definitely a four. Um, see, see, but I think I I think your point that you made about Swanigan just now, I I think he could be. I think he's more of a five, you know, because he's not, because he's not that quick. He's not that quick.
1: Yeah, he could be that yeah. wrecking ball for when that that beastly center is, you know giving Zach some problems we put Biggie in to match him for size but I I think that draft was really if you remember that that series with the Warriors we had like one healthy big so I think that that draft was like we're never gonna not be understaffed when it comes to bigs I think that had to be a
0: we've always needed wing help
2: yeah, but I I think on, on on the flip side though too is like what what Sage is just saying like I don't think you can be you don't they don't have the wing the wing personnel in the league like doesn't exist to like be like Golden State no no. like 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 trying to be like Golden State like you only so many teams can do it because there's only so many talented wing players out there so you might as well be good and this is one of the things I was really disappointed in tonight with the Blazers is that they have to be a great rebounding team. Like, they have to own teams on the glass every single night. Like, if you're going to get these guys and you are investing in big guys, they have to own the glass. And, like, if you're going to be playing against these teams that have a bunch of small guys, you have to own the glass. Like, you cannot give up anything there. And I think maybe Swanigan, I mean, Swanigan is a good rebounder. Like, that's, like, the one thing that you can definitely say about him He's a good rebounder.
0: No, but, but he's got he's got good vision. Uh, he played well at Purdue. He played great in summer league. Like he has a very high IQ. I just think to if he was drafted 15 years ago, we would be saying we got a steal in the draft. I don't know. Like we were talking about Dream uh, Hakeem Olajuwon being able to transcend eras. I don't know. if Swanigan would is is he, He's gonna be able to play in today's NBA just perimeter defense. Like if teams are spreading the floor, um. I don't know. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he can play and hopefully Zach Zach turns out because that's what Portland really needs. And we've talked, obviously it's a podcast, but you do write for LeBron Wire. We've talked about the Cavs. What were some of your reactions as you saw trade deadline day unfold? And as we saw the Cavs Celtics match up this Sunday on Paul Pierce retirement night? Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on the
2: Cavs? Are they going to repeat as Eastern Conference champions? I mean, tonight they looked like they would, or to this afternoon, you know, they, I mean, it's only one game. So that's the obvious caveat. But I mean, it looked like it just, a, it looked like it was a completely different team. Like the, all those moves they made, I was, so the first one, I was like, ah, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and they gave up a first round pick, like, what are they? I don't think they can do anything now. And then the Rodney Hood trade came in, and I lost my mind. Like I did not like. It. And and then and then they also got Hill in that deal, and all they had to give up was Crowder, Dwayne and Shum- Wade, and, and Shum- Trump- Shumpert, Sh- Shumpert, and Derrick Rose.
1: Yeah, and Shumpert's yeah. contracts like ten plus mil, so they like save.
2: Yeah. I mean, they and, – and they ended up getting, like, a bunch of good guys, and they're all, like – like, they're all long. That's the one thing. They all have long arms, basically. They're all athletic. They all try on defense, which is, like – I think at LeBron's age, just where he is now, he cannot be counted on in the regular season to be, like, doing everything defensively. Like, he needs guys that can elevate him on that end at this age. Like, he's in his 15th year. Like, he just not – you're just not doing the right stuff if you're asking LeBron to do everything. And like he had some help today. And I think that was the thing that impressed me the most about the Cavs was like the defense. Like LeBron was like hitting the passing lanes, and so was Hood and so was, you know, all these guys because they had pressure on the ball. And uh, I mean tonight they looked like they would repeat for sure. I mean it, it, obviously it's a long season but at the same it's, – it, it's not that long anymore actually. Like there's only there's only 27 games left. Was so, this a soul crushing defeat for the Boston Celtics? I think it I think it was definitely like, ah oh, man, we thought we had these guys. Cause they beat them by 24, uh, like five weeks ago. And then you know, the Cavs were basically in shambles, and then they come in here and beat them by 22. Like that was I, I was super impressed. The deals blew me away. And then uh, to see the product on the court was also incredible and it also was weird too because LeBron obviously looked energized but like jr had a pep in his step Tristan Thompson had a little bit it looked it seemed like he had a little bit more bounce you know like it was like the whole team and I think the the starting Jetty Osman the the kid from uh, mm-hmm. Macedonia also helped like they just have a bunch of young guys now that can run and gun and like it made LeBron look younger.
0: So why did Isaiah Thomas – last question on the cap. So why did Isaiah Thomas, that experiment, not work in Cleveland? Same with Jay Crowder.
2: I don't think that Thomas elevates LeBron in any way. He's just not a complimentary player to LeBron. He needs the ball too much. He is too small on defense. He doesn't – At LeBron at this stage of his career doesn't have the energy to have to make up that for that much like slack on the defensive end that you have to give it and Crowder. He just, he didn't make shots a lot of the season that hurt. And I, he just wasn't very consistent. And I do think like his, his quote tonight about a system, I think it was a little bit of shade towards the Cavs because they don't really have like a traditional system because LeBron is the system. But, I, I do think he. It was also an admission. Like, I need to be in a system. Like, I need to be told. Like, I need to be in a group of players that are all like moving in the same way. I can't just be like. I can't just read one guy. And I think I, I think the the other guys that they've tra- that they brought in, like George Hill, I think said it. You know, the best is that like, LeBron doesn't like expect a lot. He just needs you to try really hard and hit shots when you get wide open shots from him. Like if you just knock down the shots that he gives you, and I, I don't think Crowder was a good enough shooter and or or did anything else with the ball. Like he's not a particularly great finisher. He's not like a create your own shot guy. And, and, and I think uh, he, he fits well in a system where everything is predictable. And I think LeBron needs guys who are a little bit more live wire like that like like jr like jr can just do something out of nowhere and and you and can just kind of go with the flow and it like plays freely and i think that both isaiah couldn't play freely and i think crowder needs to be in a system where he knows exactly where he's always going to be and i think maybe playing i, I just don't think playing with lebron is I, I think it's not as easier to get used to especially when he came from like boston where, and Boston and Utah are kind of very similar. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's why those things didn't work out. Um, but I think, I think things are working out for, I think all parties involved now. This is like Crowder looks like pretty good in Utah. IT looked pretty good for the Lakers and the Cavs looked really good.
0: What was the one deal of the trade season that kind of left you really either really surprised or scratching your head?
2: Trying to think, because kind of all the, the 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 Rodney Hood deal blew my mind. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously the Portland trade was just whatever.
1: Um, but I mean, Stu and I said he is a pretty handsome guy, so our cuteness level on the team went up. So that's always yes. a good thing.
2: <laughs> definitely. Uh, that that, defi- that definitely added something. I'm trying <laughs> to think. I, I mean, I guess Alfred Payton getting... Yeah, for the second. Uh, ...for the second round pick was was interesting. Um, uh, and actually, the thing that, that actually surprised me the most was the deal that didn't happen, was that Tyreek Evans didn't get traded.
0: How do you bench a guy and say it specifically to trade him and not trade him?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean it's how pretty an, it's pretty embarrassing.
0: How an F do you have to be of a franchise? I mean, I know Memphis likes to go through head coaches like nobody's business, but, but I mean this is this is pretty this is pretty damning. Like I, if I'm an agent, I am not sending my
2: client to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean they they botched that in a way. I I, I, I don't think I've could you ever remember that happening before where they like pulled a guy out for a week saying they were gonna trade him and he doesn't get traded? <laughs> Well, at least they
0: did it with Miritich, but Miritich was traded the next night.
2: Yeah. yeah, I, that, That's what, like, I don't, I've never, like, any, for a week, like, they, they said that they're, they're going to end, end it. There was a bidding war and all that stuff. Like, that, that was, like, it was, like, the Tyreek Evans, like, bidding war was going on. And it was going to help them tank, too, which is, like, they're trying to get the first pick. And now they have a guy who's helping them win games, and they're not going to buy him out either. I don't I don't quite get it. Uh I'm actually really excited to see who gets bought out. Yes,
1: that the buyout season's gonna be real. I'm excited for that. Well yeah,
0: Joe Johnson go to Houston and Bell-Nate to Philadelphia?
1: Yeah, but I think there I think there still
2: could be I mean March first is like the deadline that you have until guys get bought out and I think like there's a really good chance that, you know, veterans on a bunch of these teams could be like, Hey, like I mean, Tony Allen's out there. Um like I, I think that is is going to be a really interesting market because it's funny that because did you guys see that Kendrick Perkins like he tweet tweeted? he like well no he tweeted he's like I'm back he had like a graphic ready and stuff and and, and then and then like the Cavs like be uh, Joe Varden from cleveland.com. He reported like immediately after that. He's like, so I've heard that they're not actually going to sign Kendrick Perkins yet. And they're going to wait for the dust to settle Ooh. on, on the buyout.
0: I thought he officially signed.
2: No, no. Like, I think, I think it was like, there was like the wink wink, like we'll probably bring you in. But then like, like between someone, but like between someone in the front office and Kendrick Perkins's people. And then Perkins, like, jumped the gun on Twitter saying, like, I'm back. And then the Cavs GM basically said, we're going to let the dust settle on the buyout market. Like, I I read that uh, Dwayne Deadman could get bought out.
1: Yo, by I would love him on the – well, I like him a lot. I was going to yeah. say the Pelicans, but so – Port... So
0: Portland makes the move to get under the luxury tax – from Olshay's interviews, it says, like, they do plan on paying the tax. They have quite a bit of free agents coming up in the summer, but they didn't want to start the repeater bill. If somebody comes on the market, I mean, obviously they have to have mutual interest. Joe Johnson wants to play for a contender. Portland is not there. But Bellinelli is a player who went to Philly. I, I don't think Philly this season has any better of a shot at getting out of the first round of Portland. Is Portland serious? Will they bring in another body that will bump them into luxury tax territory, but could get them maybe a seed higher come playoff time.
2: You know, I, I don't see it. I think I think I think they're like you just said, what Olshe said, you know, that I think they're pretty I think I think this year they're just like no matter what happens, we're not paying the tax this year. Like
0: so, if, so if which game Yeah. If your game he's been loyal more than I think really any franchise player should be um what is there any part of you that's just like fuck this like in a year or two maybe like i i need to get out of here like i hope that doesn't come to that because he's obviously my favorite player but i see him out there he knows the game's. i mean he, he probably doesn't know the game's over tonight but we're down 25 and he's still attacking gobert like it's two seconds left in the fourth quarter with the game on the line like he played with such intensity tonight. And he's obviously fighting, and he doesn't see his team making any moves. I mean, obviously there is the summer, so there's a lot of time to do something. But for this year, you know, this is still one of his peak years. It seems like they're just ready to roll with the squad they have.
2: Yeah, and and, and maybe I mean, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any way if you if you're Dame, you can be like you're going to be happy with that. But if you have some kind of you know, promise from ownership that, Hey, we're going to go into the luxury tax. You know, I guess that's good. But at the same time, like, are they going to go into the luxury tax again with the same team? Like, like what, you know, that is another thing. It's like, it's like, okay, great. They're going to go into the tax next year, but they are already probably going to be a tax team. Like even if they just like pick up the qualifying offers on all these guys, like, and, and so then they're going to be in another, but then it's not the repeater tax. So I guess maybe that's the one thing that they can, that they're saving like 50% on every dollar. But like, it's, yeah, no, if you're game, I totally get why he would be pissed. You know, I mean, he's, he's in the four, in the you know second year or five year deal right now. And, and, you know, I think the, it, After next year, if they're not, you know, if they're not serious and they're not making moves, I think that's when that's a time where he would like, you know, he'd be pissed. You know, I think he he would be very angry, like to the point of like maybe requesting a trade. I mean, I know he says he would never do that, but that's what guys always say. And like and like and and I wouldn't blame him. Like if they don't do something after you know before this year and going into next year if the blazers after 2018 19 are no closer to being the level of team that he wants him to be you know that's probably when he he would request a trade probably i mean i I, at least i would imagine so he would at least have the leverage to do that and 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 be able and and it would suck but He's, I mean, he has every right to be upset if after next season and after this summer, you know, they don't do anything to get closer. And, and, you know, if this year, fine, they're punting and they're saying, well, they're not punting. They're going to try and win with this team, but they're not going to add any salary to get above the tax.
0: It's essentially, it's essentially a punt though, because you, for all intended purposes, if we strike gold or get lucky like we did in 2015, or 2016, excuse me, against the Clippers, and you make that second round, you make the, the conference semifinals, that's definitely a successful year. I think if we're the sixth seeder above, I think you can live with that. But also, if you look at the standings, the West is not what we thought the West was supposed to be or how it was supposed to shape out. We've had we've had injuries, we've had underperforming uh, squads, and Portland's only four losses behind San Antonio for for third. We look at all of the games that Portland has just either blown or not shown up against a sub-500 team, and to be honest, they really should be either in the third seed or fighting for that. But there's been too much inconsistency, um, the team just hasn't had the energy and intensity on a nightly basis like the Spurs do, regardless of who suits up for them. And so I think that's why, if I'm Dame, I am a little upset, because I don't think No player we could add outside of, like, an Anthony Davis makes us anywhere close to the Golden State Warriors. Like, it is a Warriors league, and I think we all have to live with that. But if the goal is to possibly make a conference finals run, um, I think Portland is one really solid role player away from from being in that conversation. So hopefully they're able to add that in the summer, but it's not happening this year, and we're going to have to roll with the current squad.
2: I, I you know maybe you know like you just made the point about not being that far away from San Antonio. I mean I I just I was looking at the standings here and I thought this was an interesting stat. The Blazers actually had the fourth best road record in the West. So like it, it, there's such a I think that's the thing that's the most frustrating about them is that every time like there's all these, there's all these like really good indicators of like oh yeah, you know, they're not only this far, they've been good on good on the road and their defense has improved. And then they lose games like tonight. And I, I think it's, maybe this is the, the the experience of having, you know, relying on a young team, like and relying on Nurkic. I think, you know, I talked about not, you know, expecting him to be the third best player on the team, but, uh, you know, he's really inconsistent. And sometimes he can be an all-star level center. And sometimes he is a no-show. And, That is, is a drag sometimes, but also it's, you know, the Blazers are in. I think we're, you know, one thing I do want to say since we're like right before the all star break is that let's, we should think about how the, where this team was at this point, not just last year, but the year before, like they weren't a 500 team even then. Like they, they, they did not have it together and i think they're maybe not growing in the same in the way that they're like adding talent and taking on salary but i do think they are they have i feel like this is growth you know what i mean like i feel like it is a little bit of growth like it may not be like what we were thinking in the summer with either getting like paul george or something like that you know getting in on that trade but i think they have grown like, I don't think the Blazers are in a spot where they're getting worse. And I think that is something important to remember, is that they're not getting worse. Because and, and, cause I don't think there's... I think David West had a great quote, like, five years ago now. And it's like, they're, they're, in the NBA, there is no stay the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I think the Blazers are getting better, even if it's not, like, been... It hasn't been as fast, I think, as we'd like, or as Dame would like.
0: No, and you're right. We are at a better spot right now than we have been the past two years. My concern or question is, what's going to be that lightning, that lightning bolt? Two years ago, it was moving Von Light out of the starting lineup, putting a menu in at the power forward spot. Last year, it was obviously moving Mason Plumley for use of Nurkage and nerve Fever taking over. So I, I just don't know what that, that, First of energy is going to be for the Blazers uh, to kind of kickstart them. Because you were mentioning all these indicators and the good on the road. We were bad at home. Now we're good at home. And it's almost just like the, the, they can't get over that hump. And I just want to know what is going to be that that extra boost of energy as they you know really get into these last 30 plus
2: games. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I kind of sold it. I sold it high at the start of the show, and I guess maybe I'll just roll with it. Maybe Zach Collins, like, you know, has a great finish to the season. I mean, if there's one thing, you know, is that usually – I mean, Dame always finishes the season strong. Like, that is – you can always count on that. Um And, you know, maybe Nurk has another good run. I mean, he's we've seen that he can, you know, get those, you know, layups to go for a couple of weeks. and And who knows? I mean, that's the thing about this team is that they have a lot of guys who are super inconsistent, but if one of them gets going for a little while, it can get them. Go- it can get the Blazers going for a little while. Like Harkless, super inconsistent, but he can have a run of a bunch of games where he makes you think that he could be that third star, but he's not really. Like Evan Turner, another guy who can like carry you for a while, look really great. You know, he's not really that type of player, but he can get hot for a couple of weeks and like, be that extra guy. And I think it just, the Blazers need to have those guys do that on a more regular basis. But I think the guy that maybe could, has the most potential, I think, to like really make a leap at the end of the season is Collins. Like, I mean, he's not going to post anybody up, but if he he continues to shoot the three, like maybe they do play him with Nurk. Like you said, maybe, maybe they fit him alongside there and those guys play together more. You know, maybe that is something they go to, to try and, you know, beat teams in that way. So, uh, with, with, with just a lot of length everywhere. So, so maybe that's something as well. Uh, they have slipped a little bit on the defensive end. So maybe that's not a bad idea. Um, but I think th- that's the weird thing about this team is like, you can never count on any of these guys to be that guy for the entire season. But I think you just need one of them to be that guy every night. And, and if they can get some kind of, and Aminu, I think, I think we should say, Aminu has been phenomenal all season long. Like that guy, they, what they really, need, and Ed Davis, phenomenal. They, they just need that fifth guy, basically, to show up on a nightly basis. Like, and, and be consistent. You, know, cause Dame CJ, Aminu, Ed Davis, those guys have been rock solid. But they need that fifth guy on a rotating basis, whatever it is, they need a fifth guy they need a guy that shows up all the time and uh, they don't really have it. But I think they, sh- they have to do it by committee and it's like not the sexiest answer, but it's like, that's kind of the, that's where they are. Like they're not adding anybody. They're not making any trades. Like that's, that's what you have to hope as the spark. I think. Is there as a chance Baldwin, Wade Baldwin, good.
1: Baldwin could be that spark? Maybe CJ Wilcox. I think that's his name. Maybe one of those. G League guys could be that.
0: Sage, I have a better chance of winning Powerball than either of those two players <laughs> becoming that. Part.
1: I'm trying to be optimistic. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw names out there.
2: <laughs> I mean, Shabazz. Shabazz also has been really solid this year. I, I think. I great. I think they need to. I I really think what this de- like. Obviously, they play Golden State on Wednesday. But I think they really just need, I think, I think they'll probably be fresher after the all-star break. I just think, I think every team will look better after the all-star break. But I think Portland with Dame and Stotts, especially after Lamarcus left, they've always done a good job of finishing the season strong. And I think when a lot of teams, you know, start to, you know, get tired and stuff like that. The Blazers do play harder often than a lot of teams, even if it's not sexy. And I think that can add up to wins at the end of the season when, you know, teams may be out of the playoff race or, or just kind of, you know, they're tanking or playing young guys, whatever, you know, like I, I, I do think, you know, the Blazers could just fall into some wins because they play harder.
0: So you mentioned the Golden State Warriors. That is Portland's final opponent before the all-star break where they will get nine days off. Do the Trailblazers beat the Warriors? And if so, it will take what for that to happen?
2: Um I don't I don't think they beat the Warriors, because I think the Warriors maybe Actually, you know, I think they do, because I think the War I think the Warriors are No, because I think this is how the maddening the Blazers are, like that. This is so Blazers to lose to Utah like they did tonight, and then they'll beat Golden State and make you believe that they're, you know, they can be a top three seed in the, in, in the West. Like that has been their season. They've been just super high and super low. So yeah, I think and I think Golden State is kind of, I think they're tired. It's talking about talking about teams that are tired. Like, I think, I think Golden State is like, I mean, they're 43 and 13. They still have the best record, but I mean, Steve Kerr has even said it like they're not, you know, and and Draymond and all those guys are admitting it. Like they are, they're kind of worn down and they're bored and like maybe they just want to get to LA for the all-star break and hang out and, and I I don't know. I, I think Portland probably comes out a lot more fired up than they were tonight and Probably makes an insane win, and then we all start talking ourselves back into, <laughs> you know, the Damn cycle. It. That's that's been the season cycle, so I think it'll continue.
1: All right, so I got was, I got to hear was, Dustin what he has to say. If he takes a shot, I might have no, to. Okay, no,
0: I'm
2: feeling pretty
0: <laughs> down about the team right now. I, I sat through that shithole of a performance, only only saved by Dame and Ed. Had we had won, it had been 10 straight at home, probably going for 11. And, and yes, it probably would be peak Blazers to beat the Warriors. So I, I give it – I give it about a 45% chance of happening. But just the, every time I get my hopes up with this team, they just turn around and stab me in the back. So I think Golden State wins. We do win, though. If Dame can get 50, we'll win. And shit, that might happen. But – if that doesn't happen, Portland's not beating the Golden State Warriors. I,
1: I think we we start out fast, and then Golden State gets their shit together and beats us in the fourth. But we start out real fast, real good. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they have to. I mean, if they don't, if they don't, it's gonna be ugly. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily see Portland making a big comeback against the Warriors, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it should be a good game. I'm excited for that game. I'm, I'm excited for the All Star break though. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great uh, for everybody to, you know, get some time off uh, from from seeing each other, especially on, you know, on the team. And uh, I, I think it'll be good for all involved. And uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for the second half of the season. You know, the Warriors game is going to be great, but I think the second half of the season, obviously, it's going to be huge because, like you said, uh, Dustin, you know, this is a sardine. This is a can of sardines. Uh, in the West, you know, th- this is a bunch of teams bunched up against each other, and you know, a good two weeks could make a huge difference in the seeding. Before
0: we wrap this up, Eric, uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Real quick, February eleventh, ten eighteen p.m. Where do you see the Blazers ending in the playoffs, or do they
2: make the playoffs at all? What seed would you predict at this current point in time? I think they end up where they are. I think they're I think they're gonna be the sixth seed. Like I I, I I think Oklahoma City is gonna be consistent enough, even though they lost Roberson and their defense took a major hit without him. Uh I think Minnesota has done a really nice job all season long. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler really just takes them up to another level. But I think Portland could easily be in the sixth seed and I get matched up with either San Antonio or Minnesota. And I think either one of those matchups, especially if Kawhi Leonard is out playing would be, those are the best matchups you could hope for if you're the Blazers. So, uh, yep. so, you know, um, cause I'm actually really quite scared of Oklahoma city. Like I, I, I think they're like, even without Roverson, I think they're just, They're really good. Like they have so much length. They they like Paul George is insanely good at defense and everything else. And Westbrook obviously. Uh, I I think Oklahoma City is like the sleeper team in the West. So I would, if I were Portland, I would rather face the Spurs, which you know you never want to say that because you always end up looking like an idiot. But, uh, if they don't have Kawhi. And then the Timberwolves, then they haven't been in the playoffs in like 13 years. Like that is prime. That's like Toronto reminds me of Toronto, like early in the Toronto, you know, arc, like some, some lemon booty in Minnesota. Like I, I like, like there's going to be sphincters or tightening and, and, and I, I can see that. So, so I, I think six, six is probably where they end up. And if they get Minnesota or the Spurs, I think, uh, they have a puncher's chance. You know, one thing breaks right for them in the series, and they could they do it. Uh, so I think they make the playoffs and make six seed. That was my long answer.
0: No, I agree. I think that the sixth seed as well. And Sage, it is 10-21. We've been going for a, a little over an hour, but uh, I think it's time to wrap up our Sunday night uh, podcast. Once again, thank you, Eric Gunderson, for joining us. Let our followers know where they can
2: find you at. Yeah, y'all can find me on the Locked On Blazers podcast. If you're listening to this on my feed, you already know that. Uh, but yeah, find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. And then also at uh, com.
0: Awesome. And for your listeners, you can find uh, the Holy Backboard podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, at Holy Backboard. Um, we're also on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and the gram at Holy Backboard. Uh, Eric once again thank you so much and it was a pleasure being on the Locked On Blazers podcast as well Sage any final words for me, my
1: friend uh, I was going to talk shit about 2k but I'll save it for our next podcast there's some doozy stories uh, but yeah uh, go Blazers I hope we beat the Golden State Warriors wherever you may be this is Bill Shinley. good night everybody
2: let's go